This is our third and final session on 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. And I said there were two ways that you can come at a passage. One is to see the, the surface structure. And the other is to see the reality within. And they overlap and they're both crucial. The surface structure here. Looks like this. There are four propositions. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? So there's one statement. You are not your own. There's a second statement. For you were bought with a price. There's a third statement. So glorify God in your body. And we pointed out that the relationship between them is that you were bought is foundational, leading to the fact that, number two, you are not your own, leading to the fact, number three, that you belong to God who put the Holy Spirit within you and made you a temple for his habitation, and number four, therefore, you should glorify God in your body. That's the structure. And seeing things like that often sheds tremendous light on the reality. But it doesn't shed light on all the reality. You have to ask about the meaning of, of words and phrases and go through the words to the substance. And so we spent a whole session on what it means to be bought with a price. And now in this session... I want to ask about the Holy Spirit and his relationship to glorifying God. So, Father, would you grant that everyone listening to this and watching it would have the Holy Spirit, that there would be faith, that the Holy Spirit would move in power and inhabit us, and that he would be used in your hands to magnify your name and uh, conquer our sin. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You are not your own. You are God's. You belong to God. So the reason I don't say you belong to the Holy Spirit, which would be true, is that this Holy Spirit is described as being from God. So God bought you so that you're not your own, you're his. And now he can do with his uh, house that anything he wants. He, he's the owner. He can decide who the tenants are, right? And the tenant, he's decided, is going to be the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the implication of saying that the Holy Spirit is in us and that we are his temple? He mentioned four things. One, uh, it's not spatial because the Holy Spirit doesn't have any dimensions, height, depth, length, width. He's a spirit. And as a spirit, his being in a body means something like um, he identifies with us. And he 
influences us. So he's, he's willing to say, you are mine. This is my, my body. And I will, in a sense, draw near with my influences in a powerful, owning, transforming way. So don't be tripped up by the fact that uh, the body, which is physical, is described as a place for a spirit. That's just the way the Bible talks because it's the most convenient way to talk about close identification and close, powerful, transforming influence. Second thing it means is that we are made holy, sacred, pure, at least in principle and on the way to being actually pure. That's the implication of temple. My body is a temple. My body is a temple because the Holy Spirit from God is here, and thus my body should be thought of by me as holy. It has the glory of God in it. What a difference this made for me as a kid. My mother said, Johnny, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't smoke. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't do drugs. And I'll tell you, as simple as that is, that had a walloping effect on me. It kept me from doing many stupid things. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't unite with the girl outside marriage. Those are, this is a huge and rightly applied implication. Number three, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. And so the Holy Spirit secures for us, makes us confident that we have a great inheritance. And look what the inheritance is. Here's Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So there's a, a securing, a sealing, a stamping, a stamping. You are mine forever, a sealing with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee, the down payment, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So you see the connection between Holy Spirit, guarantee, inheritance coming, praise of his glory. And if... If the inheritance that we obtain in full is going to mean the praise of his glory, then surely the presence of the guarantee of that inheritance would also mean the praise of his glory, which is why it ends with glorify God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the inheritance. The inheritance is the presence of God to be glorified. So glorify God with your body, which is this temple. And here's another confirmation of that. This is John 16, 13, and 14. 
Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And he, this is his primary mission, he, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, he will glorify me, Jesus. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. That is the reason the Holy Spirit primarily is here. He enables us. He inclines us. He transforms us so that we have a passion for the glory of Jesus. And if Jesus is glorified, the Father is glorified. We know that from many passages in the Bible where Jesus is the very image of God, and to glorify Jesus is to glorify the Father. So, that's number four. The presence of the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, and thus the Father, which is where the text ends. Therefore, glorify God. So, summary. Use your body. Use your body. Glorify God in your body. One. To show God is satisfying. Now, remember, this text is an argument for flee sexual immorality. Flee. Run away from it. Inside marriage, that means faithfulness. And outside marriage, it means continence. And if you are faithful in marriage and continent, self-controlled, abstinent, chaste, pure, outside marriage, the world will be amazed. And what it will say to them, if they see that in the context of your whole Christian life, is God is satisfying. God is strong. And God is good. That's the glory that you're going to show when you are faithful in marriage and continent outside marriage. God is satisfying. God is strong. God is good. And I would just add, especially to women. I know that women can commit adultery and can commit fornication. Yes, they do. Takes two to tango. And some pursue it. But what I mean is, God is good especially to women because men are the ones who are rampantly, more often, sexually promiscuous. It's the way we're wired, and it's evil to give way to it. And when we do give way to it, when we cheat on our wives time and time again, and when we go from one woman to the other outside marriage, it is women who suffer most and, and therefore, when God says, glorify me, 
in your sexual immorality. He's not only showing that he's satisfying to a man and woman, he's strong to enable that, but he's also good because this pattern of faithfulness in marriage and continence outside marriage is good for men and especially good for women.